Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Hoare, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, February 17th, 2019, on the basis of Luke 6, verses 17 through 26. When a set of rules no longer works, one option is to just go ahead and change them. Have you ever had that happen to you? Sometimes it can be a little bit humorous. For example, when you decide you're going to play your child one-on-one in basketball. And so the game starts out and and the child says, okay, first one to 10 wins. But then that game doesn't go exactly how they had planned. And so then they say, okay, first one to 15. Okay, now first one to 20, first one to 25, and on and on it goes. Of course, as adults, we're sometimes pretty good at this too, aren't we? We maybe say to one of our children, okay, tell you what, you can can watch TV, but only after you've picked up your room. And then they pick up their room and you say, okay, but I also want you to sweep the floor. And I also need you to take out the trash. And then I also need you to do the dishes. And then then you can watch TV. Sometimes someone changing the rules like that can be sort of humorous. And of course, sometimes it can be very frustrating. You maybe know this if you've ever had a teacher or a coach or a boss who has suddenly changed the rules, who has changed expectations, who has raised the bar, perhaps. Everyone was operating under a shared understanding, but then someone goes ahead and just changes the rules. Can't help but think that's maybe how Jesus' disciples felt when Jesus said the words that you heard read earlier, the words that are in front of us today. Here's what had just happened. Leading up to those verses, we're told that Jesus had gone up to a mountainside all by himself to spend the night in prayer. The next day, the next morning, he called his disciples up to the mountain with him, and out of all the people who were following him at that time, he singled out 12, 12 disciples to be not only his closest followers, but then also to be apostles. In other words, he gave them a very special job in the kingdom that he came to this earth to establish. And so then Jesus and these newly minted 12 apostles go back down the mountain to a level place, we're told, and there waiting for them is this enormous crowd people from all over the place who had come to see Jesus. They wanted to hear Jesus preach. They wanted to see Jesus healed. We might say that Jesus was starting to go viral. His popularity was going up, 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 up. He was on the verge of reaching celebrity status. And when these disciples, when these apostles saw that, you can imagine maybe what they felt. They were part of his inner circle. They had gotten in at the ground floor. They were part of those initial investors in Jesus. And so as they saw Jesus' stock continuing to rise, you can imagine that they thought so would theirs. Jesus was destined for fame and fortune, for power and glory. And so they probably thought that so were they. But then Jesus said the words that are in front of us this morning, those words that you heard earlier. And it sure seems as though suddenly Jesus changes all of the rules. Jesus doesn't talk about fame and fortune, power or popularity. He starts talking about poverty and hunger and sadness and rejection. Jesus says things that are so different from everything that they had seen so far. It sure seems as though Jesus is suddenly changing the rules. And as you might imagine, they probably felt a little bit frustrated and and certainly a lot confused. That's why it's a good thing for us, as we gather here today, to also spend some time considering these words. As we've been going through this series for the past several weeks entitled Far From Home, I think we're sort of at almost exactly the same spot that those disciples were when they came down that mountain. 
We've seen Jesus, the anointed, as the Savior and as the Messiah in, at his baptism in the Jordan River. We've heard Jesus' invitation to follow him, to be his disciples, to be a part of his kingdom. We even heard last week how just like with those 12 apostles, Jesus has a special job for us in his kingdom. He sends us out into the world with a message to proclaim. But now today with these words, Jesus gives us that proverbial peek under the hood. He allows us to see the engine that runs his kingdom. And Jesus makes it very clear that the engine that runs his kingdom is very, very different from the engine that runs life in this world. In fact, those two engines are as different as an engine that runs on gasoline and an engine that runs on diesel, you might say. And by the way, I have no idea what the difference between those two types of engines are. I just know that they're so different that when you pull into Quick Trip, you better know which engine is yours and you better grab the right pump, otherwise you're going to be in big, big trouble. That's how different Jesus' kingdom is. And that's what we're going to see as we look at these verses this morning, that Jesus plays by his own set of rules. These verses, these blessings and woes that Jesus outlines really come in four pairs. Jesus talks about four different things in these verses that all of us as human beings are after in life. And those four things are worth, satisfaction, joy, and approval. And for each of those four things, it's almost as if there's this universally accepted set of rules by which most people try and pursue and try and acquire those things. So, for example, let's start with worth. According to the normal rules, our worth comes from what we have and what we do. And so at any given point in our lives, it's almost as if there's this line that divides what we have from what we lack, divides what we've accomplished from where we failed. And that, that line defines the level of our worth. Same goes with satisfaction. According to the normal rules, satisfaction comes when life is full, when life is complete, when life has all kinds of good things in it. And at any given point, there's this line between where our lives are full and where they are empty, between what is complete and what is incomplete. And that line is the level of our satisfaction. Same goes with joy. According to the normal rules, joy comes from the moments in our lives that make us smile and make us laugh. The good times, the good feelings of happiness that we have. And so at any given moment, there's this line between when we smile and when we're sad. Between when we're laughing and when we're crying. And that line defines our level of joy. Finally, approval. According to the normal rules, approval comes from acceptance and praise. And so at any given point in our life, it's as if there's this line between our acceptance and, and the rejection that we sometimes face, between praise and criticism. And that line affects our level of approval. Now, according to the normal rules, the entire goal of life is to try and push that line as far as we possibly can in one direction. In fact, we'd probably often say that the, the things that are on the one side of that line, those are the good things in our life. And the things on the other side of the line, those are the bad things in our life. Or to use the words that Jesus used, we'd look at the things that are on the one side of that line and we'd say, well, those are the blessings. The things on the other side of the line, those are the curses. But then Jesus comes along, and unlike what sometimes people think, Jesus' job is not to assist us, not to help us as we try and push that line as far as we can in one direction. No, instead, Jesus takes those rules and he turns them completely upside down. Jesus tells us to find worth in what we lack, 
rather than what we have. Jesus tells us to find satisfaction in where life is empty rather than where life is full. He tells us to find joy in tears rather than smiles. He tells us to find approval in criticism rather than in praise. Rather than helping us and assisting us as we try and push that line as far as we can in one possible direction, Jesus actually tells us to take a peek over to the other side of the line to see what's on the other side of that line and to realize that that's where the real blessings are to be found. Why? Because over there, on the other side of that line, that's where Jesus himself is waiting. See, when we look at the things that we have and the things that we've done with our own hands and we realize that no matter how hard we've tried in life, they haven't amounted to all that much, that's when we're forced to find our worth in what Jesus has to offer. When we look at the things that we so often try and fill up our lives with and we realize that even with all of the treasures and pleasures that we enjoy in this life, our hearts still hunger for more, that's when we are forced to find that satisfaction in what Jesus can offer. When in spite of our best attempts to constantly be happy and smiling and laughing, life chokes tears from our eyes and we're overcome with sadness, that's when we're forced to find our real joy, not in this life, but in the life to come. And when we face sharp words of criticism that cut us to the heart, that's when the approval that God has for us can heal those wounds. Jesus' job isn't simply to help us push that line as far as we possibly can in one direction. In fact, Jesus wants us to view that line sort of as the edge of a swimming pool. And he doesn't want us to go up to that line and sort of just dip our toe into the water. Instead, he wants us to back up. He wants us to get a running start and run as fast as we can. He wants us to jump as high as we can and do a full-blown cannonball into the space that is on the other side of that line because that's where he is waiting to catch us and that's where he is waiting to give us the very best blessings that he has. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but we might describe it this way. As I was saying to the kids, in any game, there are certain rules that everyone has to follow. Everyone plays under a certain set of rules. But imagine if you were playing a game where you were the only one who didn't have to follow the rules. Imagine playing baseball, where you were the only one when you came up to bat that that fence that designated where a home run was, that fence wasn't out at 400 feet, instead it was moved in to 200 feet. Imagine playing the game of soccer and being the only one who's allowed to pick up the ball and run with it all over the field wherever they want. Imagine playing the game of basketball and being the only one for whom traveling is not a thing. Imagine playing a card game where everyone else is going for spades. Everyone wants spades, and you're the only one who's collecting hearts. Do you think that maybe, just maybe, that would give you a slight advantage? To be the only one playing by the exact opposite rules? Friends, that's the life that Jesus invites us to be a part of. Those are the blessings that Jesus wants us to enjoy. So what would that look like? Well, what if, as it pertains to our worth, what if we went through life, yes, using all of the gifts that God has given us to try and excel and try and exceed at whatever endeavor we might set our hands to, but then at the end of the day, whether our life is full of failure or full of success, our worth is unaffected. What if, as we go through life, yes, we thank God for all the wonderful blessings with which he fills up our lives, and yet we're not obsessed 
with those things. We're not enslaved by those things because we know that the things that fill up our hearts are not the same things as the things that fill up our closets and fill up our garages. What if we would go through life, yes, laughing at all of the goofy things our kids do, and yes, smiling the entire time, grinning ear to ear on that Valentine's Day date with that person that we love, but then at the very same time not losing hope and not losing heart when those same kids break our hearts or when that loved one that we've been with for so many years is taken from us. What would happen if we went through life? Yes, cherishing the kind words that other people might speak about us, but at the same, te- at the same time not being obsessed with what other people think. Not finding our approval in how many parties we get invited to or how many likes we get on social media. Friends, that's the advantage. That's the set of rules that Jesus wants us to be a part of. That's the life that he invites us into. And again, yes, I, I know it sounds crazy. To take that cannonball, take that, take that flying leap and, and make that cannonball into the pool, it's a leap of faith. In fact, there's a reason why there's sort of this common, normal, universally accepted set of rules. It's because those rules seem, well, they seem so obvious. They seem so normal. They seem so natural. In fact, I think that's the reason why so often as we go through life, we are playing by those very same rules. If we're honest with ourselves and we, we look at the normal rules that the world operates by and we look at the rules that Jesus holds in front of us and we would say, boy, a lot of the time, maybe even most of the time, I'm playing by the same rules that everyone else is. In fact, here's a thought that occurred to me this week. What if you sat down with a blank piece of paper and you wrote down a game plan, a set of rules, you might say, for your next five years of life, for how you are going to try and find, how you are going to acquire the four things that Jesus talks about in these verses, how you're going to find worth and satisfaction and joy and approval. And you came up with a game plan for how you're going to achieve those things. And then at the very same time, some random person, some random neighbor on your street, some coworker that you have, some family that member that you have who doesn't follow Jesus the way that you do, did the very same thing. And then you compared the rules side by side. And you looked at their game plan and you compared it to yours. And you asked yourself, how similar are they? Could I be following their game plan just as easily as I could be following mine? I don't know about you, but it's scary for me to even think about how much of my life I spend following the very same rules that that everyone else in the world is following to try and get those things. And so that's why Jesus needed to come, not just to tell us about these rules. Jesus needed to come to also live by these rules, to put them into practice. In fact, we see him doing it already in these verses. Jesus was starting to go viral. His popularity was on the rise. He was on the verge of achieving celebrity status. What do you think words like these would have done to his popularity? We're not really told specifically, but as a general rule, Jesus' life followed this pattern. The more he said, the more he talked, the less people wanted to follow him. Jesus came not just to tell us about these rules, but to put them into practice. In fact, Jesus' whole life was him backing up, taking a running start, jumping as high as he could, and taking a cannonball into the area that's on the other side of that line, into the very rules that he describes in these verses. Until it finally all came to an end. When he had nothing, when he had no one by his side, when he was rejected and despised and criticized by just about everyone, and then he died that way. 
Jesus put these rules into practice. He lived them out. In fact, he's the full embodiment of these rules. And how did that turn out for Jesus? Well, you know the story, right? In fact, I'd like you to picture it this way. Picture watching some, some prize fight on TV, a big bo boxing match or a, a UFC battle. And then at the end of the fight, after it's all said and done and the judges' scores are all in, there stands the judge with each fighter on either side. And the way that he declares, the way that he announces the winner, right, raises up the hand of the one. So Jesus died there on the cross, and then three days later on Easter Sunday morning, there stood those two opponents with their two sets of rules. You've got the world with its set of rules, and you've got Jesus with his set of rules. And in the middle stands the judge, God the Father. And he raises up Jesus' arms. In fact, he raises Jesus back to life and declares him to be the winner the conqueror, the victor, the king. Friends, G Jesus didn't simply come to play by these rules. Jesus also won by these rules. Which means that, yes, I know it sounds crazy, but you can trust him when he invites you to play your life by those very same rules. Yes, that can involve very much does require a leap of faith, but it is not a blind leap of faith, because as you look at the other side of that line, you can already see Jesus standing there waiting for you. All of the blessings that are on the other side of that line, he had to earn for himself, but all of the blessings that are waiting there for you, they're simply his free gifts offered to you through what he's already done. So friends, Jesus played by these rules, which means that so can you. And Jesus won by these rules, which means that rest assured, so will you. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.